Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, middle school is a time of an incredible growth. Kids change a great deal while learning and practicing vital social skills that will help them to navigate life now and in the future. It's how to get along with others, talk about tough topics, compromise, stick to your values, be an ally, show up as a good friend, and so much more. How do we help open up these topics to kids so that they know what to say when they find themselves in a sticky situation? For that, we turn to Katherine Newman. Katherine Newman is the author of the memoirs Catastrophic Happiness and Waiting for Birdie, the middle grade novel One Mixed Up Night, the kids craft book Stitch Camp, and how-to books for kids, how to be a person, and what can I say? And the new novel, We All Want Impossible Things, forthcoming November of 22. She edits the nonprofit kids cooking magazine, Chop Chop, writes the etiquette column for Real Simple Magazine, and is a regular contributor to the New York Times, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, Parents Magazine, Cup of Joe, and many other publications. She lives in Amherst, Massachusetts with her family. Catherine knows a whole lot about super useful social skills kids can use to get along in life and express themselves, and that's what we're going to be discussing today. So welcome, Catherine Newman, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Before we get into our main topic, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in giving kids the social skills they need to get along and express themselves? What gets me up in the morning is my cats um, who sit on my chest and purr in my face till I feed them. <laughs> um, but what gets me excited about talking to kids about social skills is... Um, I feel like it's like the thing people say about creating lifelong learners, like creating lifelong communicators, you know, to the extent that we think of relationships as our most important, cherished um, life possession, not a possession, life goal to have mm. meaningful relationships. This is the way to do that. And it's pretty much the way to do almost everything. Yeah, I tell my husband all the time when he's like, what is happening in this world? I'm like, it's disconnection. I really feel yeah. like it's disconnection. We need to help our kids, help our teens, help our adults get back to connection. And interestingly, little side note. So my kids um, are at camp and my daughter was worried about going, uh, even though she's been there for several years and loves it more than anything. 
and I'm going to miss you too much. And, and, uh, you know, her anxiety was starting to yeah. get the best of her, but I visited her uh, just this past weekend. And she said to me, thank you so much for sending me. I love being away from screens and uh, social media yeah. and, and just being away from all of that and literally just being with people. And I was like, that was what I was trying to tell you, honey, like just being able to connect with other people face to face from morning until night. There's something so special about that. It's like, I said, I'm, I was throwing you back to the 1980s. Like, uh, right? Yeah. Right. Just connection, connection, connection. Yeah. Yeah. There was a study, you might even know it of, um, it's so interesting to me, but what they did a study that even for introverts, mm-hmm. um, face-to-face conversation releases dopamine and oxytocin. And so like all the feel good brain chemicals, even if you identify as an introvert, you're still getting them from face-to-face interaction. And that for me is huge as a piece mm. of information, like that's mental health, yeah. you know, being bathed in the chemicals of I'm in a relationship. I'm talking to other people. I'm making connections. It's huge. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's, it's interesting because it's easier to talk to people online. It's easier to not get out of your pajamas and just kind of like be typing and, you know, or, or, you know, doing something on your phone. And so I think we trick ourselves into thinking that we like it better. It, it, It is easier, but I, I think that this little, it, it wasn't an experiment. I, I, yeah. I knew what was going to happen. I'm sure it happened did. over and yeah. over again, but it was interesting that she came to that conclusion once again, <laughs> that, I mean, this is several years now, but like, once again, that face-to-face is indeed better. And, and even the face-to-face that she does at home, they have screens. So they have that as the crutch of like, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at my phone, yeah. I'm next to you, but I'm looking yeah, at you. Right. Kids, Parallel right? play. Right. Yeah. I know. But I know. on your phone. Right. I mean, they're 13 and they're still, no, that's I know. exactly right. I know. It's parallel play. It's so interesting. So one of the things that I, I loved and you, and you did so well in your book, but this is even in the very beginning before you launch into anything was you talk about this behavior test when you aren't sure how to act and what to say in tough situations. This behavior test includes the golden rule test, the universal test, the regret test, the authenticity test. Can you tell us more about this and how our children can use these tests or how we can kind of guide them to use these tests to figure out what the right thing is when they're kind of feeling like they're in a dilemma or not sure how to act around somebody? Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you asked about that because the reason we put that in the book um, is that we were very aware of, you know, sometimes kids get really kind of rule bound. And so there are a lot of specific case scenarios in the book, but obviously there's not every single case scenario in Mm -hmm. the book. So we didn't want letter of the law kids to be like flipping through and being like, my thing's not in the book. (laughs) There's there's no way to know how to behave. You know, where it's like, what are some basic guidelines? And to some extent, and I know this sounds a little weird, but I've written the etiquette column for real simple for 10 years. And 
Um, for anyone who's never seen that column, it's not a like which salad fork do you use etiquette column. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a relationship building column. Like right. I don't know about wedding. I have terrible table manners. <laughs> like I really don't care about any of that stuff. And there's it's, so many forks. I mean. Oh my God. There are so <laughs> an oyster fork. I know. I really don't care about relationship <laughs> building. Like that's what people are coming to me to ask about. Like, how do I make my relationships better? How do I be a better person, a better neighbor, a better citizen? They're not always asking that directly. Sometimes they're like, why is my neighbor such an a-hole? But really it comes back to you. What can you do to improve your relationships? And so those principles were kind of distilled weirdly from advice I give to adults, which means that we're kind of all struggling with the same thing. Our kids are are struggling with stuff we're struggling with still. And one of the things I started doing when my kids got a little older is, I don't know if you do this automatically, but I have historically, my relationship dilemmas or difficulties with friends, family, whatever. When my kids were younger, I kept them all behind closed doors. I did not expose my kids to my own struggles, Mm -hmm. I guess, because I just wanted it to seem, I wanted to inspire confidence in them, whatever it is. And at some point I was like, oh, I'm not modeling any kind of conflict resolution for them. They're just seeing this kind of seamless social life where I get along with everybody as far as they're concerned. And I don't have any problems. And at some point I realized, oh, it's so much healthier to be like, ugh, I'm kind of struggling with this person. Like either can you guys help me brainstorm or this is what I'm doing. And it feels, I just wanted to tell you, like, this is how it's working out or the same way they do with us. Yeah. And I feel like it just changed everything. It made it so much I I became a person who was relatable to them as a person in relationships and relationships are always living and breathing, even if they're really Mm -hmm. good. So anyway, that's not really an answer to the question. No, but it's so important. I love that. Yeah. But you know, that weird thing where you're like, oh, some of the most important things I'm doing, I'm doing behind a veil and my kids don't Mm -hmm. see it. And obviously when they're little, it's not appropriate to have everything just out in the open. Like I do feel like it's a sort of, as they get older and they understand more, you can just be out there with some of it. Right. Right. Cause how can they know otherwise, if you, you know, don't show them, I, I had this little post on Instagram, like six second post. And it was like, just words over my head said something like realizing that when we start having hard conversations with our kids, those hard conversations become much easier. And (laughs) right. Like, and, and Jess Leahy, who I know, you know, well, Jess Leahy wrote underneath, she's like, and yes, like, you know, she was, yes, yes. Because it, it, and we all are dealing with these like tough, conversations. We're trying so hard to keep them behind closed doors. Like, you know, I'm not struggling at all. And I, and yes, I'm, you can be confident in me, but like we, they can have confidence in us if they're not related, they don't feel like we're relatable. We will get the situation that they were in. So we talk about the bullying. We talk Uh, about the, you know, the the neighbor who's being a jerk and I don't know what to do. Like we talk about that stuff. 
Yeah. I, it's so good. And when you mentioned Jess Leahy, I think, right, that's the gift of failure again. Right. That and, her alcohol, a- and the alcoholism, right? Like, how are you supposed to talk about staying away from alcohol if you don't actually go, I have alcoholism and here's how I dealt with it. And now I'm going to, I wrote a book on it so that other people can talk to their kids. Yeah. About it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just being who we are bringing yes. all of it to the table so yeah. that our kids aren't just seeing these like Instagram ready people. Oh my gosh, for sure. So when it comes to some of these little tests that we can yeah. do, so the regret test was something like, would I regret my behavior if I did this? The or? regret test is um, in, my, in my family, we always say to each other, what are you going to be on your deathbed? Like regretting you like made up <laughs> with your brother. Like it's always that we call it actually between us, we call it the deathbed test, but it's like, what are you going to remember? Are you mm. going to remember? Think of it as like your kid is thinking of inviting 15 of their 16 classmates to a birthday party, right? Let's say. Okay, let's say. Are you going to remember that you behaved really hurtfully to somebody? Or are you going to remember like that person be like you're you're never going to remember that this extra person was at your birthday party right like not your maybe number one favorite person in the world but you will remember the feeling of actually having done something hurtful Mm. so the regret test is just trying to project forward and think what am I going to remember from this what's the takeaway here Mm. what is the part that I control in this situation and where's the potential for me to at the end of the day say you know what I did the right thing Mm, and then and then universal test I think was like would other people act this way in the same situation universal test is right like is this the if everybody behaved this way would the world be better would the world be better and then the authenticity test is is like related to is this who I am is this who I am and does this feel right to me or do I secretly know it's not I love those I I'm tempted to put them on a sticky note put them up and just I, I really feel like some of these are such important questions to get in the habit of ask because they're, they're bombarded with these like times to make these choices. They, yeah, they're really yeah. challenged in special ways. So I think I like that. Yes. Yeah. And they have so many opportunities just to kind of be their best selves and, and, yeah. and they have so many opportunities not to like, yeah. It comes up all the time for kids, like the opportunity to exclude people. It is very real prevalent. And on the other hand, you want your kid to be able to create boundaries and not have their life be taken over by somebody who just wants, wants, wants something from them. It's very, it's this, I mean, even though we are adults and we have shaved away some of the most difficult people by now. It's still true for us. How do you balance what you want with what other people want? How do you do that? It's not all about you, but it's not, not about you at all. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, like, I just remember as a teenager, one of my closest friends, just so well-liked, like just, she still is. I mean, just she lived two houses away from me, like growing up, we've been friends since we were two years old. She just 
such a likable person. People all want her to be like their best friend. I feel very blessed that I get to be <laughs> in this close position with her. Yeah. Um, and so I, when you are that kind of person and people yeah. want to be around you, you know, they, then you feel like after a while you can feel like you're born thin. And I remember her saying to me, like, I just, I'm exhausted. Oh, interesting. I'm exhausted. Like, and she's so nice, like kind, like she doesn't want to say no and be mean about something. But at the same time, she was being so worn thin and so exhausted from going to every party and being invited to all the things, which like some people would be like, oh my gosh, I wish that was me. Right. But for her, she was just exhausted. And I remember talking about that. Sometimes you do need to say no and, and kind of trying to figure out how to navigate that when you're a teenager. Totally. And right. And even as you're saying that, I feel like one of the things we want for our kids is to know themselves really Mm. well. And I remember this is when my son was in kindergarten, your story weirdly makes me think of this, um, not even kindergarten preschool. And he was telling us how every day during recess, he would just climb up into a tree and watch everything. Um, And I talked to his, of course, I was like, you know, a young mom, like, oh no, my kid's still playing. And I talked to his preschool teacher and she said something and I have never forgotten it because here I am 20 years later telling you, she said, wow, I don't think you should feel worried. I think you should feel so grateful that you have a kid who knows what he needs. And what if we all knew what we needed? Mm. Like that he knows he's in it, in it, in it all day. And then when there's an opportunity to make a choice, he takes a little time to himself. How beautiful is that? And I was like, wow, important. And it was so great because she could have been like, I know he's such a freak. Right. Like like, super separating himself. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been really stressed about it. I mean, if everybody did that, would that be okay? (laughs) It'd all be up in the tree. But I, but it stuck with me as this model of like knowing yourself and what you need and your friend like putting out so much energy and then realizing that she's just totally depleted. Like we want our kids to balance their lives to say, you know what? I need my daughter who's 19. So she's not like a kid, but she's living with us this summer after um, being away at college for a year and she's working Mm -hmm. all day and she gets home. And just this morning I said, Oh, we're going out with friends for dinner. Join us. And she was like, you know what I need at the end of the day? I need to lie in bed with the yes. cats. Yeah. And I was like, totally fair. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I think, I mean, that now my friend is much, much better about that. Right. Like she, you know, as you grow up, you realize like, no, I need to take this time for myself and I need to, you know, go for a walk with the dog or, but when you're in it, sometimes you don't do that. And then that, that can backfire. I would like to get into talking about some of the awkwardness. Yeah, Probably. please. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> Since that's your specialty. It is my area yeah. of expertise. And, and honestly, like, so your <laughs> awkwardness is, you know, talking directly to these kids about these awkward situations. And my specialty is talking to the adults about how to talk to kids about these awkward situations. I think an event is in the future for us. Um, <laughs> yes. The I mean, awkward, right? Like the yes. awkward event. So 
So let's get into it. So one of the areas that I see kids are unsure about, and like, you know, I've got preteens and teens now, so I see it a lot, but I've seen it for years, is like walking into a room where you don't know anybody. I mean, they'd rather do most other things than, than that yeah. one thing. Yeah. So, you know, our children can wind up getting nervous about that. Some kids jump right in. It's very, it's wonderful. You have more introverted kids or kids who are a little maybe shy, anxious. It can be more challenging. So how do we help our kids understand like, what to do in those situations, like how to introduce themselves, like if they're going to a new camp or a new school or a new program um, so that they don't like stand in the corner, like a bump on a log, or as I say, wallpaper, you know, and the people just yes. kind of walk past. Yes. How do we help them navigate that situation with specific strategies? Yeah, that's great. I mean, if it's a situation The thing that I think kids and adults need to be reminded of is um, if it's a situation where everyone is new, Mm. to really remember that, that you summoning up all your courage, this is what we have always said to the kids, summon up all your courage and saying to somebody like, hey, do you want to sit with me at lunch? Or, hey, can I sit here? To remember, you might in fact be rescuing that person too. Oh, love that. So it's very easy to feel very self-conscious and forget that everybody feels that way. And we, even my son went to college. So he just graduated from college. But when he got there, this kid who was like Mr. Frickin' Popularity in high school, like they just great, he's like this great kid got to college and we always laughed amongst ourselves behind his back that we think he thought he'd get to college, walk in a room and everyone would be like, Benny, (laughs) the way they had his whole life. But of course, like nobody knew him because he was new, but nobody knew anybody. And so here's this kid who calls home, like he's never had a social thing. Like he's such an extrovert, calls home and is like, I don't have any friends. Um, But it's okay, because I figured out this place to sit in the dining hall where I can eat alone. And it kind of looks like I'm meant to eat alone. So I figure I'll just eat there for four years. Oh, my gosh. We were like, yeah, Ben, of course, four years. (laughs) Yeah, it'll fly by eating alone. And we reminded our 18-year-old kid that every single person at that school was in fact in the same boat. And I just feel like reminding kids of that, it's so so easy to feel like it's just you. And the other thing I think kids have control over that helps them like regulate is to when someone else is new, reach out to that person. It's, I swear, it's just karma. It's like you generate this kind of energy around you as a person who does that it inevitably is going to come back to you if you get in the habit when you're the comfortable person let's say you're at a camp and you've been there before yeah so you have your friends but you notice someone sitting alone you have nothing to lose bringing that person over to your group it is such a wonderful opportunity to be generous it feels so good and then when you're the new person you can really lean into that so what would be the words that we would teach our kid to say when they see a new person and they're already the comfortable person 
I feel like just the um, really straightforward, hey, do you want to sit with our table? Yeah. Um, or like, hey, we, yeah. we have an extra seat over here or anything. And also to remember that person may not want to. That person yeah. may just be my son up in the tree getting the lay of the land you or, you know, it's fine too. It's also totally okay to eat yeah. alone. You don't have to be yeah. like dying that someone's right. eating alone, right. but they might really like to be included. And it's really easy to include yeah. somebody. And like the, the switch of like looking at it in, in a, through an empathetic lens yes. is like walking into that room or you know walking what into is that? that situation yes. with like the tables it's what like, does it oh. feel like standing with your lunch tray I oh. still remember that feeling scanning oh. even at a school I have been going to for yeah. my whole life uh-huh. scanning with my lunch tray right that feeling of like oh you know yes. that dread yes. and yeah. so I feel like just teaching our kids just what you said the the habit of empathy yeah. Oof, what does that feel like yeah, I know what that like? feels like right yeah. they yeah. know yeah and tuning in all the time what does that feel like yeah yeah so some kids often you know have trouble making conversation and and others might not feel too shy about talking to somebody but then realize they, they may not realize that the other person's not that excited about talking about different breeds of frogs from New Jersey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so two different issues. I'm hearing, I'm hearing yeah. them both. Yes. So, so what are some of your best <laughs> conversation tools that we should be teaching to our children? Yeah. I mean, I have in the book, there's that a page of, um, there's, there's thoughts a about making small talk and b mm. about expressing curiosity. So mm-hmm. I think curiosity is a fantastic tool in general because yeah. a if you're curious you are never bored even in a boring situation well, because different breeds of frogs can go on for a little while. <laughs> That's true. Although if you're curious enough, you can probably find a question to ask to switch the conversation to something, which is its own skill, (laughs) which we as parents have gotten really good at. But um, I feel like expressing curiosity about people is a really wonderful um, life skill because it's how you start conversation. Um, Oh, hey, like, you know, what's in your sandwich, whatever, like anything that, in, that engages somebody or, mm-hmm. you know, would you rather be a leaf or a blade of grass? Like you can ask any type of question of a person, you know, or don't know. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, you can use those kinds of conversation starters with people, you know, too, but you can use them sitting next to somebody on the bus you never met. So I feel like expressing curiosity and then I hate to be like this, but that as a life skill, oh my God, think about uncurious people you have interviewed for a job, interviewed Mm. for your podcast, dated, like that thing where I always think of that scene in, in the movie airplane where, um, where he's just droning on and on and on and on and on to people and person after person is like dousing themselves in gasoline and lighting a match like where you know just that to not be that person 
mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't even notice that your date hasn't like spoken in 15 minutes. This happens to me on my podcast. Yes, that has happened where it's like, if you feel like you're going on for many pages, like in a book, like if you would be like, if you were writing this, it would be pages. Pages, maybe make a Just just pause for a minute because I can't highlight what you're saying or ask a question. Yes. Not a lecture. Yes, not a lecture on the frogs of New Jersey. (laughs) Exactly. So I think even that, or to cue our kids, and this with some kids is really important, to cue our kids that they are talking about something that we are not inherently interested in, which means they either need to shift the conversation or they need to keep it short. So I used to have a, there were topics where I was like, Pokemon cards, you have 30 more seconds to tell me whatever it is you want to tell me about Pokemon cards. And then I'm going to hit my limit because I don't know about them and I don't care. Mm. And then we can find something that we both are interested in talking about. And that done with Mm. more grace than I just represented, Mm -hmm. like not shaming our kids, obviously, but just offering them cues. Right. Super helpful. And those are great life skills. Then you don't become somebody that people like back away from, you know. So like the cues, like people starting to look away, fidget, like looking over your head to see if there's somebody else available. Or that you've noticing that what you're saying about the podcast, noticing that you've been talking for a long time. Yes. But also, yeah, reading that, reading facial expressions, reading Mm. distraction. or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it means also looking up, like it does involve a full body kind of engagement Mm. and then remembering, oh, right. Like what, who is this person I'm talking to? Or who is this person I've been telling about the frogs? Like, even if what you do is stop and say to the other person, like, have you ever held a frog? (laughs) What if they say, no, then maybe move on to a different topic. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yes, exactly. No, I mean, that's, that is a major, it's a major skill. I've, I've said to, I've said to my own kids at one point, my son, I'm like, if, if somebody else, like if you just took this person and like moved them over and then took another person and had them stand there with this conversation had gone any differently, you know, because if you're oh. talking the whole time, yeah, like, you could have a tree there. Like it doesn't, or, or you know, could have a totally. jolt. Of like it doesn't matter. Right. Yes. Oh my God. Right. Like <laughs> if you're, if somebody's on the phone with you and you get disconnected and you get back connected with them like minutes later and they hadn't yeah. even realized you weren't still there. Oh my God. Let that be no. a cue. Right. That is a good cue. Yeah. yeah. That is a good, that is yeah. a good cue. So you have a chapter about getting along with people, um, compromise, like being wrong, being right, arguing, more things like that. So if you have a child who seems to turn off when things aren't going his way or okay. doesn't seem to know what to do when the other person won't give you a turn or you know, only wants to play what they wanna play, like, how do we teach kids to initiate compromise Mm. without just like throwing up their hands and being like, that kid's a jerk. Like I never want to play with him again. Yes. It's funny. That's a really good question. And as you were asking it, I was thinking again about 
curiosity mm -hmm. as a useful tool there because not being able to compromise is like that's what war is you know like mm -hmm. it's a huge huge problem mm -hmm. to not be able to say wow we have this interest you have this other interest like how do we blend these things mm -hmm. rather oh my god if i can't get what i want i'm gonna go ballistic and like invade your country or whatever. right so i feel like um challenging so i use for the compromise chapter i use the venn diagram a lot as a visual aid like for your to teach our kids to think of the venn diagram right mm -hmm. i want this you want this like where do we overlap mm -hmm. um and to sort of ask enough questions to figure that out so instead of it being just a full-on stalemate to just pick at it a little where it's like okay you want to play you want to play like these games i want to play these games like let's look at the games and see if there's a game we both like or if compromise in the venn diagram doesn't work like taking turns could work what if we mm -hmm. do the thing you want to do first and then we do the thing i want to do or um or you could like I just feel like keeping it so that your kid feels like they're engaged in the problem solving process. Mm -hmm. You could also say to a friend, persuade me. Mm. Like, instead of this stale, maybe like, no, I've just got to do this, like, persuade me. Or you could say to a friend, wait, let me try to, let me try to talk you into it. Mm. Look, there are just lots of skills that are not if I can't get what I want, I'm going to run out of the room in tears. Like right. there are, you have a lot of options for negotiating, for taking turns, for finding compromises, or for just being your most generous self thinking, mm. you know what? I can get my brother to play that game with me later. I'll just do whatever you want. Mm. What if you just said that? Right. Right. No, it's a really good point. And like, you know, when you have somebody over and they want to use something that they don't have at home. Yeah. Yes. And, and you're like, you know, it, it, they're leaving in an hour. Yes. So, like, let them leave, let them use it because let them they're leaving. Yeah. And then you can be using it. Yeah. Totally. So sometimes Play it's like game. a realization. Yeah. yeah. And I think if, I think, I mean, I'm a little old fashioned this way, but if you are hosting as a child, if it's at your house, mm -hmm. I always feel like the guest really gets yes. to pick stuff as long as you can like marginally live with it and it's yes like, exactly it's not like drinking all this soda or whatever yes like yeah. I you know let's do a not, taste test yeah, yeah it's not against the rules of the house yes, like yes. I feel like it's your job as the host to be gracious and to say sure it's whatever you want to do whatever snack you want to have I think that's an important thing and then they're like next time I'm going over to his house um, I totally <laughs> and it might not I, I was very rigorous about our kids deferring to their guest wishes and that was not always returned to them yeah, in kind. It's frustrating. And, oh, yeah. well, and you yeah. could honor that. You could pick them up and they could complain in the car and you could say, that's really frustrating. That's different from yeah. how we do it. Yeah. So we've learned that empathy is, is incredibly yeah. important in yeah. all relationships. We've touched on it here already. And 
you know, it's in what we say, it's in what we do. And when we show up for somebody else, can you help us learn how we can teach our kids about empathy and, and what we can help them to, to say or do in tough situations that are uncomfortable, like Mm -hmm. your, your, you know, your friend's pet just died or they just lost the championship game and you could yes. care less about yes. sports or yes. they're missing their brother at college and you're, you have a brother and you're thinking he's totally annoying. So how do you, yes. how do you instill some empathy or even if they don't have it genuinely know what to say in those situations? So I feel like, um, one thing, for parents to remember is that empathy, because there's always that question of like, well, can you really teach empathy? And I feel like, first of all, I really think you can teach empathy, but I also feel like, like if you look back to that moment when um, you smile, the first time you smiled at your baby and they smiled back, it's so hardwired. That's empathy. That Mm. is reflecting back to somebody what they're feeling. So those like mirror neurons or whatever that is that, you know, where you are reflecting back to your kid or they're reflecting back to you. So it's already there, you know, there, there are, I know that that's, there are neurodivergent kids for whom that experience is challenging. So I would just put that to the side for a minute. Yeah. But I feel like, um, on the one hand, they're inclined to be empathic and probably you've been narrating empathy for them. You know, the way you, you squat down and you're like, wow, you grab that toy out of the baby's hand. And now look, the baby's crying. You know, mm-hmm. the way you help them learn cues about how somebody's feeling. But I also don't think you can overestimate the value of role-playing because mm-hmm. I my kids, we went to a funeral two years ago and my kids who are grownups, legal adults in the car on the way were like, can we just role play offering condolences? Wow, yeah. So these are my kids who suddenly in the car in their fancy outfits got really nervous mm. about the part where you need to shake somebody's hand and say, I'm so sorry about your loss because it's terrifying it's completely mm-hmm. overwhelming so there's real emotions there real, like this is like somebody the is height of emotion. grieving yes and right. and you know that you should be having a feeling but maybe honestly the only feeling you're having yourself is nervousness mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. legit and reasonable it's fine you don't have to have a feeling what you have to do is offer condolences. So I, we still role play that stuff. So I feel like, yeah, somebody's goldfish diet or somebody's, you know, somebody's missing somebody like role play with your kid, what to say, think about what you would want somebody to say to you. Mm -hmm. And then there's the thing my kids complicatedly like to evoke and invoke as the platinum rule, which is if somebody wants something different from what you would want in yes. that situation. And you know that, then you still need to offer it. So if you wouldn't really care that your brother left for college, cause he's a huge jerk, but your friend's really sad about her brother leaving for college. 
then that's a platinum rule situation. And you just have to lean into what you would want to hear if you were sad, like you're mm, mm, mm. so anyway, lots of different ways to think like about it. it and reframe it and just being really brave because so much of it is being brave. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's, and I like to say to the kids, I get nervous offering condolences in that big line of people. What am I going to say? Am I going to burst into tears and be a weirdo? Like, <laughs> am I going to get snot in somebody's hair? I oh, get super nervous, you know, just because it's like a lot of feelings <laughs> and then you lean in for the hug and yeah. then you're like, oh God, sorry. And <laughs> so I feel like just leaning into stuff that's hard. It's fine. Just really yeah. honor how hard it is. Sorry. Yeah, Ooh. no, I think those are all, I, I, that, I feel like that conversation was outstanding. That was so, so helpful. And um, it's things we just don't talk about so much of the time. I mean, even, even when we're talking about like how to talk to kids about death, like it's, it's, it's not something that we typically talk about, like how to offer condolences and like the actual social skill of, of dealing with it in yes. action is really helpful. Now we've been talking a lot about diversity lately, I, I, which is great. I mean, we should be talking about diversity and I'd like to come to that conversation through your lens So let's say that a child who gets picked on, they're getting picked on at school for being different. People are gossiping about that person because of what they wear or how they style their hair. And I'd like to know as a parent, how we're going to teach our kids to shut down that gossip and possibly start what you refer to as positive gossip about that person. <laughs> okay. Positive gossip is like my favorite thing in the world. But um, I mean, for one thing, I think it's really important to, um, if your kids are talking about, there's so many levels in it. So if your kids are talking about bona fide bullying, I think it's important to get more information about what's going on and make sure figure out if an adult needs to step Mm -hmm. into that Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think if you're talking about something, if you get enough information about a situation to figure out that in fact, what looks like picking on somebody for being different is racism or homophobia. I think that's a different kind of conversation. But if what you're talking about is um, a situation where kids are like gossiping about a friend behind the friend's back or gossiping about some, a classmate behind that person's back. If you can help your kid learn this skill of positive gossip. So it's one of the things about gossip that's very hard is it's hard to shut it down without sounding like you're judging everybody because you are judging everybody because Mm -hmm. people shouldn't be gossiping in a mean way. That said, kids don't want, and we often also don't want to be that person who's like superior. Right. So the beauty of positive gossip is it just turns the conversation without a lot of um, feeling of judgment. So somebody says to you, um, oh my God, like, look at her overalls. I can't believe they have so many patches on them. Like, like get a new pair of overalls. Mm -hmm. And your kid says, oh my God, 
It's funny that you mentioned that. Like I was just reading about like fast fashion and how much like clothing ends up in the landfill. And I think it's so cool. And I was just noticing those patches and thinking like I should patch my next pair of jeans. It's like the coolest thing. Boom. You have, without calling out your friend, mm. without making a big awkward like performance of your own like righteousness, you mm. have turned something into a positive mm. interaction without compromising your own values. And, uh, and you've modeled for your friend looking for the positive, right? Because oh, that's that so good. the thing. It's like the silver lining, right? So, but it's really hard and it takes practice. And again, it's a thing that can be role-played. I hate to say it, but this is still, it's still the thing we do in the car is like role-play difficult stuff. Oh, so good. So I'd love to kind of keep this, you know, idea of differences going and move to how to be supportive when someone may confide something into you, to you, something that might be sensitive um, about a difference, maybe something that some other people might frown upon in school and the community. And you talk about this in your book. So imagine your child comes home and tells you that their friend confided in them that they're gay or that they want to go by a different name because they're trans. And, and, your child is like, I, I didn't really know what to say. And I think I might've messed up because I just said, okay. And, or I kept talking about the life cycle of a goldfish or, you know, I, I said, I had to just get to class. Like, and now they're like, ah, what advice okay. would you have as a parent for your child on how to be a supportive friend? They, it's obviously not like right, maybe necessarily right in that moment, because now they're having time to think about it and be like, I probably could have done that better. Ah, uh, I feel honestly like we're coming full circle because we're back to the gift of failure. You never have blown it. You, it's always, what are you going to do next? So yes. every day you get to wake up and be like, okay, here yes. I am. I'm I say parenting starting. is the ultimate do-over. Oh, like be, do-over, right? do-over, do-over, <laughs> do-over. And that's true for our kids too. Yes. So good point. reminding Great. them, you always can jump back in. So you can go back to your friend. And transparency is such a gift in these situations to mm-hmm. just go back to your friend and say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I got really nervous when you were talking to me. I don't know why. I think I just felt like it was this big moment and I was afraid I was going to blow it. And so I blew it. And then I went home and I just felt so lucky that you confided in me, or I just felt so proud of you Mm -hmm. for being this person or whatever it is you wish you'd said, just then you can just say it and you can just say, I'm so sorry. I just got nervous or Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I was so awkward or I didn't know what to say it's totally fine. You just go right back in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one last question along the same lines. Uh, So let's say the next day your child comes home and tells you that your this this person had had told a bunch of people um and now are making fun of that person who just told others this sensitive information and uh how do you teach that child to then stick up for that person knowing that one of the fears people have is that the 
others will turn on them and be, start picking on them. You know, like they'll, they, that, that, that's one of the fears that they have. So how do we, how do we stand up for somebody who's our friend who now has admitted a difference and people are now kind of poking at them for that difference? Now, I, again, would probably lean into, um, positive gossip in the strong sense, not, it sounds so frivolous, but it's like a really deep kind of mm. concept. Mm -hmm. If your child can summon their courage and say, Hey, you guys, I, I know this feels weird to you, but I am so filled with admiration for our friend being that brave to tell us. And like, mm. what can we do to honor that? Mm -hmm. Or, um, I just feel so lucky to be trusted and that feels like an occasion I want to rise to mm. or just to mark out like I don't know even to say like yeah it might like it's it might feel weird to hear that this person's different from the way we thought of them but like what an opportunity for us to like offer support I just to and you have to be so Brave, brave to not yeah to not lean into kind of that group think but to yeah. know and the incredible thing is how it'll be self-rewarding if your kid can muster the courage to do it because yeah. boy do kids have respect for a kid who yeah does not go with the flow especially because if all of those kids performed the authenticity test they would all know that it was wrong to be doing what they're doing. Yeah. They know what yeah. they're adding. And they also, I would say you often will trip somebody into going, that's how I was feeling too. And so now you like automatically get like somebody who is like, I agree. Right. Like yeah. they've been silent. They weren't like the one that was going along with everything. They were kind of like the silent one. And all of a sudden you said something and they're like, yeah, like I would never I, yes. have been able to do that. And I think that's amazing. And then, you know, you wind up with the domino effect, right? Totally. And you become a person that people trust because yeah. you're trustworthy. And then that yeah. is your like life. Yeah. Well, this was so fun. I want to know. Oh my your gosh. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> so I fun. know. I know. I could do this like all day because I love like all these types of scenarios. I think it's Oh, so, so interesting. I could come up with a bunch more, uh, but give me your top tip. What would you really want somebody to come away with after reading your book or after listening to this podcast? What would be your top tip for talking to kids about these sort of socially awkward moments? Hmm. I feel like um, leaning into the awkwardness is mm. kind of undervalued. Mm. It's really fine. And you can always buy time, always buy time by saying, oh my gosh, this is so awkward for me. Yeah. Or give yeah. me a second. Give me a second. Like, I think I want to do this better. Yeah, I want to yeah. do this correctly. I this feeling that we have to be so quick on our feet and everything yeah, has to so be cool. so perfect yeah. and we have to be so cool and I just feel like buying a little time and just being yeah. being as honest as you need to be about yeah. how you're I've feeling. like left cool back there oh my god I, I 
So my not life cool is person. so much better since I yeah. left cool behind my, my it's daughter cool last, last summer was like, wow, look at you, mom. And I was sitting on the beach yeah. in my swimsuit, like, you know, with absolutely zero self-consciousness eating a tuna sandwich filled with potato chips that was like dripping onto my bare leg. And I was like, I am living my best life. There you go. And my daughter I mean, was like, you are living your best life. You don't, yeah. you have zero Fs to give. Yeah. And I was like, totally true. Yeah. The, the Fs have left the building. Yes. You know, just like back, back there somewhere. Um, give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your book and the work you're doing? Oh, okay. Well, the book is, available wherever books are sold ideally your indie bookstore so that we keep yes. those folks alive yes what, what can i say what can i say is the book yes um and i have a website which is um some awkward name which is katherine newman writer.com okay. um so like that yeah so like go there okay and I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I had so much fun with you, which I knew I was going to already in advance. And I'm glad we left that cool thing in the corner because I was like, I hope she likes me. Oh my um, God. Yeah. I like you so much. <laughs> but I, so fun. <laughs> I know it was so fun. I just, I appreciate the, the, the authenticity and, and the words and like getting into this awkward these awkward situations, I, I think they're so important. They happen so often. So thank you for providing us with the information and getting into the stuff with your book. I know, believe it or not, like I know that, so the people who are listening to my podcast are the most amazing people because they love books like this, but also they're totally in on the awkward conversations. I mean, we've yeah. been doing this since 2017 and, and they're totally in on the awkward conversation. They also are very open people, uh, you know, and I know you've had some challenges with some of the people who have reviewed your book and were like, we don't want to talk about this stuff with our kids and other people who are like, yes, thank you. We want to talk about this stuff with our kids. And it's very polarizing, but I know you're, you're amongst friends here. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I'm sure I am just yeah. from having talked to you. For yeah. An hour. yeah. So thank you so much. Thank and you. I appreciate you being on the show. I loved being on the show. Thank you, Robin. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. We can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it. DrRobinSilverman.com or at Twitter under Dr. Robin. Also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. I'll be going back and forth with Catherine Newman um, this whole week talking about the book and these awkward situations and get involved with the conversation. And if you love this podcast, like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I can't tell you how important these things are. All those five-star reviews help the podcast to be seen and heard by so many people. And then they learn about Catherine Newman and her book. And that is good stuff. They can use it in their own homes. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to how to talk to kids about anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please go to drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many po podcasts up there, and the show notes to this podcast are up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget, there's usually a tomorrow, but of course, 
we have to remember we should do it now if we have the opportunity, but you can always go back. Remember, we were just saying that parenting is the ultimate do-over, but for kids also ultimate do-over, they could do it again. They could try it again. They messed up. No problem. Go back, talk about it. I see that you see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. Listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or